What up, world? It's your past first point guard, Trailblazers reporter Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked on Blazers your first listen every day, free on all platforms, five days a week. Just search Locked on Blazers. You'll find us right there waiting for you. And then make it part of your daily routine. Make your first listen every single day and tell your friends to do the same. In today's show... We're talking Benedict Matherin, uh, 6'6", Arizona wing, worked out in a solo workout on Sunday, June 6th at the Blazers practice facility. Let's talk about what Matherin projects as, his strengths, his weaknesses, all of those things. Who else the Blazers have been keeping their eye on this draft season? Uh, Portland has done has been doing its due diligence. Let's let's discuss kind of some names they have seen, names they have scouted that we that we know that they have taken a look at either in house or on the road during the pre draft process. And then we'll close the show. A little mock draft roundup. We got some new mock drafts last week. Let's see what the draft prognosticators have the Blazers doing with that number seven overall pick. So let's just start with Matherin. Uh, it was the, the way the Blazers do draft workouts is they say, hey, we're going to have draft workouts on these days. And then day of, they announce who comes. Uh, it's like a, some sort of secretive stuff that I don't I don't totally know why. It, that's more and more common across the NBA. But uh, the secret came out on Sunday morning. <gasps> Benedict Matherin, someone who's projected to go right in the Blazers' range, a 6'6 wing from Arizona, worked out for the Blazers. The significant part about this is that there was one person, a solo workout. Uh, Typically, if you get guys into the PF, you do a a group workout because you can see more stuff. You can put them in three-on-three and two-on-two and, you know, and not, and run, you know, alternate reps so you get them doing different things you can put some of you know you can you can get them in more game-like scenarios and and in a perfect world you would get Matherin in there against someone right there in his draft range say like a Johnny Davis from Wisconsin and say like let's let's just see these two dudes play against one another Uh, you know not maybe like a perfect setting but more data is better the uh, Matherin doing a solo workout is only significant because one (laughs) The Blazers created a little press release with only his name on it. And two, uh, like, this suggests that that Benedict's people, Matherin's people, wanted him to do a solo workout. Uh, th- like, the difference in these things is just kind of like, is, is kind of your representation's preferences. You see Dyson Daniels, who previously worked out for the Blazers, uh, someone who's also projected right there in the Blazers draft range. I think there's a lot of buzz, like, he's the guy, because he was the first name. Eh, it's just the first name. He might end up being the guy, but he was also just the first name. Dyson Daniels did a, did a solo workout at the Combine to prove that he was capable. Almost no one else did that. And then he com- came into Portland and did a group workout. His people want him competing because they are unafraid of him kind of, they think he can help himself. Like they want him to play and help himself for a guy like Matherin, his people probably just want him in a controlled environment. The one-on-one setting where there's just a little bit less data you get, you know, you're going to get a bunch of eyeballs on you, but a a one-on-one workout is perfect for guys who can shoot and guys who have, you know, sort of straight line, basic athleticism. Matherin definitely has that. The, the, the differences in workouts says more about the preference of representations approach to how draft season goes and it does about the Blazers. This doesn't, I wouldn't read into anything saying, oh, a solo workout means the Blazers are super duper interested. I'm sure they are. He's right in their range, but I'm sure they were interested in Daniels too. Sure. They've been interested in a couple other guys we'll mention here in a second. Like this says more about what Matherin's people want than what the Blazers want, but it is significant that he's there nonetheless. So who is Benedict Matherin? 
6'6 wing who spent two years at Arizona was a Pac-12 player of the year for a very good Arizona team with potentially three NBA players in the roster and Christian Coloco and Jalen Duran, or excuse me, Jalen Terry. Uh, Daylon Terry, 0 for 3, saying his name. Uh, <laughs> Along with along with Benedict Matherin. Uh, go with what you know, folks. Don't try to b- branch out to Pac-12 basketball if you haven't watched much of it. But I have studied up a little bit on Benedict Matherin. And shout out to uh, Detroit Bad Boys, the SB Nation blog, who did a really nice scouting report on, on Benedict Matherin that helped me prepare for this, among some other places, but specifically Detroit Bad Boys at SB Nation. Matherin averaged 17.7 points, 5.6 boards, 2.5 assists, and a block last season. Se- measured 6'6 six six in shoes at the NBA Combine with a 6'9 wingspan and an 8 foot eight standing reach very comparable measurements to Nazir Little who you will famously remember me saying is probably a power forward in the NBA and now looks like he's going to play a bunch of two three and very limited four maybe some four because the way the Blazers roster is constructed currently but uh Matherin like that is an uh, ideal size for what the Blazers need they would need you know six eight six nine would be the ideal size for what they what they need but I would say big enough to play wing in the NBA, albeit not he's not gonna you're not gonna look at him on the wing and say, oh, he's really large. It just he has sort of the right frame to get there. And, and really his strength is that he can absolutely shoot it. Shot 38.2% over two years in college on five attempts a game. Uh, dipped a little bit sophomore year when he had more other responsibilities, but can really shoot it. Like really is just a really good shooter. Uh one thing that that struck me from that Detroit Bad Boys article I read was that uh, Matherin scored really well in kind of the garbage uh, synergy stats, uh, something I don't have access to, so I'm thankful when people do. It scored really well in sort of the, the garbage buckets. Scored really well off cuts, off offensive rebounds, off loose balls. Like he 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 can he finds a way to score in sort of those secondary fill in the gaps, find the ball in a, in a scrum type of type of offense stuff like oh cut into space, score quickly. You know, use your athleticism. Got a strong right hand and maybe a limited left hand, but you know, find a way to get to that strong right hand and score. Those seem like valuable skills because his his weaknesses speak to someone who is not this like super creator wing that everyone's looking for. He seems like a three and D type because his weaknesses are some of it is defensive consistency. I I. With that stuff in college, it's it's hard to know. Certainly, it matters. Like if you're really good defensively on tape, generally, if you have physical tools, you won't translate to being like bad on defense in the pros. Um, but I do think some guys who are maybe ball watchers or just like not super engaged in college defensively, when their role shifts, if they have some physical tools, then they can become good defenders. I have read mixed reviews and scouting reports whether some people think that Matherin's going to be a really good defensive player in the league, and someone people. People think he is not going to be much of a defender at all in the league. I would bet on length and athleticism to get you to passable. Uh, but defensive consistency is absolutely a major concern of his. And I think the bigger concern, because defensive consistency, it's hard to project, right? Like, sure, concern. I put it put it in the negative column and, and, and move on from there. But like the real actual concern is that he might not have much juice to score in the half court. Uh, when I had Raphael Barlow, uh, host of Locked on NBA Big Board and uh, – you know, uh, literally does this for his, for a living as a professional NBA draft scout for a living. Said that his big concern with Matherin was that he shot terribly in the half court, thirty eight percent on all jumpers in a, in a half court setting, like non transition jump shots. That's that's not a particularly good shooter. Someone who who struggles to score. Uh, according to the Detroit Bad Boy articles, Bad Boy articles I've read, article I read, Bad Boys article I read. I'm struggling with. Uh, <laughs> with uh, plurals and singulars in this one. But according to that article on SB Nation, uh, 
Matherin only had 19 ISO possessions this year. He just doesn't go to ISO because he knows he's not good at it. He you know turns the ball over and, and can't score that way. The lack of half-court juice, the lack of half-court creation is absolutely a concern. Absolutely a concern. But I think the what you're relying on here is that he won't be asked to score a whole bunch in the half court for an offense like the Blazers. If you're spe- if you're specifically talking about fit here, sure, he's he, he the Blazers have a better offensive ecosystem to put a guy into who doesn't have a lot of individual creation. Shot creation is what stars do. It's the skill that really separates guys who are play finishers versus playmakers. It's hard to be much of a playmaker if you can't get to your own offense. If you can't, um, you know, if you're if if most of your damage comes in transition, well, when you get to the half court, and who who cares about like oh the slows down in the playoffs, some games slow down, right? Like sometimes you just need to score in the half court period. Um, particularly playing with Damon Lord, teams who have traditionally not run, I think there's a, the real concern with Matherin is that maybe he doesn't have enough half-court juice. Individual offensive creation, enough playmaking at ISO, or playmaking the half-court, not much of an ISO score, all of those things. You're banking on the athletic gifts, the size, and the shooting translating to someone who can be a, a, a really competent role player early and then grow into more as his skills grow. That's who worked out for the Blazers on Sunday. Read into it what you will. It is due diligence season. I want to touch on that in the second segment. It's like, who have the Blazers seen and what do we read into who they have seen? But first, let me tell you about Bet Online. More props, more odds, more lines than ever before. You want to bet on the NBA Finals? Uh, game game two, if you're listening to this on Monday, you just missed it, but this I'm recording this on Sunday before the game starts, so you can get in on the action. If you, if you listen to this right away for game two, you'll have game three and beyond after that. If you don't want to bet on the NBA, you can bet on the NHL playoffs or in the conference finals in both, both series there. You can bet on soccer all over this fine North American continent with the MLS and NWLS. You can bet on combat sports. You can bet on golf. You can bet on tennis, whatever you want. Go to bet online where the game starts. All right. So on Sunday, Benedict Matherin of Arizona is going to get in front of the Blazers brass. He's going to get in front of the coaching staff and get in front of Joe Cronin. Joe Cronin's assistant GMs and folks who work in the front office. Wouldn't be surprised if uh, Burt Cold is there, the CEO of Vulcan. Wouldn't be surprised if, you know, the whole Blazers crew is in the building to watch an individual workout. These things matter. Him coming in by himself and working out suggests that his agent agreed to work out. Uh, in the past, if you have like a pick, you know, Blazers have the pick in the top seven. So guys in their range will come. But it's like, they're not going to be able to get Jabari Smith in the gym or, or uh, Chad Holmgren in the gym or Paolo Bencaro in the gym because no, those guys don't project to go past seven. They might not even be able to get Keegan Murray in the gym because he wants to only go in the top five, you know, or top six. So he's only going to work out for teams that are like, uh, you know, in that range. Uh, If you have a pick late in the draft, like say like when the Blazers had 24, they couldn't even get Nazir Little in for a workout because Nas's people thought he was going to go in the top 15. Wouldn't even come to Portland. This is kind of the nature of draft season. Benedict Matherin's people agreeing to say, under our conditions, he'll come work out for you, suggests that they know that he's right in the range, even if they want to control the conditions. Uh, and, and teams, you just don't haggle that much this time of year. You want eyeballs. You want you want data. Uh, you'll do folks a favor to kind of get them in your, in your place of business. Not everyone is Dyson Daniels willing to sort of put it on the line. Some people want that more controlled environment. See Shaden Sharp of Kentucky, who's like barely working out, um, trying to give as little data as possible. And he's going to get rewarded with a top 10 pick in the draft. Like this, this is a, that's the extreme version of the strategy. But in, in general, you, 
Agents will do, do right by their clients. If you are a borderline guy, they are going to get you in absolutely every place you can possibly be. The idea that the Blazers couldn't get more people to their gym on a Sunday is wild because if you've ever covered pre-draft stuff, the guys who are like late first round projections or middle second round or beyond projections, they're going all over the country, wherever, whenever, they are flying all over. I remember talking to guys covering the team who, who went to 16 cities in 16 days to work out for every NBA team they could, including multiple stops in LA and Vegas to do group workouts. Like if the Blazers and if Blazers wanted people and Benedict Matherin's people were comfortable with him being in the gym with multiple people, this would be a group workout, but it's not. And so you'll see them up. The Blazers will get a, to put Matherin through individual workouts up close, like one on none or one on an assistant coach uh, and see whether he lights up a chair uh, you know, his athleticism really stands out going against air. That's what we'll, you'll see. But like I said, you should read into it. Yes. Interest. Yes. From both parties. Sure. But this time of year is just due diligence season and everything is, is things are true and not true simultaneously. Uh, I think there was some reading like, oh, you know, Mike Schmitz, soon to be Blazers assistant GM, wrote a story about how Dyson Daniels is, you know, a top six draft prospect. The Blazers work him out at seven as their first guy they bring in. Daniels is the guy. Sure, maybe, unless it's the exact opposite because Schmitz knows what he's doing and smoke screens are valuable. You you say, hey, this guy's getting buzz early, buzz early, you know, trying to juice up your maybe the trade potential of your pick because if a team wants Daniels, they know he's not lasting past seven. Or it's real and the Blazers are super interested. Like it's one way or the other. Uh, this weekend on Friday, or excuse me, this week, last week on Friday, the uh, Joe Cronin was seen, pictures of him on the internet, surfaced of him at the CAA's Pro Day in Southern California. Uh, big agency who represents a ton of players and people throughout the league puts together these pro days. This is so you don't have to send Ben Matherin to the gym. This is, again, you dictate it on your terms. This has become more commonplace. These big agent workouts are much more commonplace. You put your guys through what they want to do. It's, it's, it is a way to limit the data available, but also get eyeballs on, on teams and bring the whole NBA into your building and do it on your terms. This is all of it is always a power play. And at that CAA pro day, there's, there's Joe Cronin sitting courtside watching Jaden Ivy work out. And it's like, Oh, is he after Jaden Ivy? But you know who else was at that pro day? Duke's AJ Griffin and Notre Dame's Blake Wesley. Other guys who are going to be there, like Griffin could be could be on the board and could be a target for the Blazers at seven. Absolutely. Ivy, if the Blazers either trade up or if he slips, could be available there. And like, do you pass? Is, is Ivy a good enough prospect that you can't pass on him? Well, that's why Cronin's in the gym getting eyeballs on him just in case. Uh, Notre Dame's Blake Wesley is a guy who was, you know, maybe a projected second round pick who I've seen as high as 15 in some drafts. Like this is this is someone who could be a could be a straight up good NBA player and might end up slipping as far back as the second round, if not more likely a middle first round type of pick. Uh, you get eyeballs on these guys because it's due diligence season. You do your work so you know what to do when you're on the clock. This is the, what we've been talking about, the value of the of the pick, what I've been talking about to you. We haven't really been discussing it too much, dear listener, but I've been saying like, what the Blades are doing is finding out the value of the pick, who they like, because that determines value, how you project the available players at your board. Do you say this is a future star? And once you kind of figure out what seven is going to get you or what you, you know, what, who's going to be in your draft range and what you think their overall value is to the franchise in the near and long term, then you talk about trading it. I think there's a lot of, 
I think the most likely scenario is that the Blazers end up trading seven, but it doesn't mean that they're not going to take a long look at the Dyson Daniels and the Ben Matherins and the AJ Griffins and the Jaden Ivies, the Blake Wesleys. They also, the Blazers had a representative at Rep One's Pro Day where they could see Tennessee's Kennedy Chandler and Washington's, or excuse me, Kentucky's Ty Ty Washington, you know, some smaller point guard uh, types that are going to be available later in the, later in the first round. What the Blazers are doing is collecting as much data as they possibly can. That's, that is what this time of year is all about. So while I'm all in favor of kind of like reading into stuff and like reading the context clues is, is what I do on this podcast, right? I want to offer you this caution as we move deeper into draft season it's all a lie or it's all incredibly true. Like the, it's, it's the, there is so much noise this time of year that the idea that, oh, this Benedict Matherin solo workout means this when the Dyson Daniels first guy in after the assistant GM wrote about him means this. Oh, but, uh, but Cronin was at this pro day with AJ Griffin. Okay. Maybe it's like, it all it all means nothing and it all means something. I think this is a choose your own adventure situation, but I, but my caution is that um, the sort of motivated reasoning where I think this so so Cronin's presence here or Matherin's presence here means this um, is just um, it's a fool's errand this time of year. So be, I, my, that's my caution to you is to remember that all of these things mean nothing. And then they mean everything. And we will, you know, certainly some people know more than others, but we will all learn together as we get a little bit deeper into the process. Uh, but that's who's there. The Blazers are going to work out. This is Monday's show. This is Monday, June 6th show. I'm recording it on Sunday afternoon as I do. But on Monday, the Blazers are going to work out more prospects. They have another workout scheduled. Again, they don't announce it until day of, so we'll see who it is. We'll talk about that on, on tomorrow's show, who worked out and why it's important. But it's the same deal. Like, you're doing agents a favor. You're doing yourself a favor. Everyone is benefiting. The reason why you have guys in-house is because everyone benefits in some way. More data or your, or your client gets in front of more eyeballs, whatever it might be. So tune in for that one. I'll offer the same caveats then. But on Sunday, you got Ben Matherin, who absolutely, absolutely could be a target for the Blazers. I like him. I like him. I think he's one of the better players. in the like. He's one of my preferred players in this draft class uh, for the Blazers if they stay at seven. Uh, he's not my, I think Keegan Murray would be higher on my list and certainly some of the top guys. But if realistically there, I think like my cards on the table, I think I'm Matherin over Sohan by a pretty wide margin. I think I'm Matherin over Dyson Daniels, although those two are really close in my mind. Uh, so that's that. We will continue to sort of suss out who, what the Blazers might do, but I wanted to offer that caveat of, of smokescreen, due diligence, all of that season here uh, in the lead up to the draft. It's just uh, everything, everywhere, all at once, or nothing, nowhere, never are your two options. Uh, third segment, let's close out the show. I got some mock drafts. I rounded up who's going where, where the NBA prognosticators think the Blazers are going to go. And let me just give you a little spoiler. A lot of folks think a certain point guard who didn't play at Kentucky could be available. A certain guard who didn't play at Kentucky could be available when the Blazers pick. Join me in the third segment, won't you? Still a pass, first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked On Blazers. We talked about Benedict Mathurin. We talked about the smoke screens of draft season. Speaking of smoke screens, let's talk about mock drafts. People literally making it up. Uh, obviously, people, you know, the people who do this professionally are plugged in and they're getting some insight from all of from from draft folks and all of those things to build their board and build their mock drafts. But in the end, even that is still a guess. 
So let's talk about who guessed what. Uh, all of these mocks were updated after May 31st, so within the last week. I don't want to bring you old mocks. Who cares? Let's only new, only new stuff, only that new new here on Lockdown Blazers. Let's start with ESPN, where Jonathan Gavoni has the Blazers selecting Shaden Sharp, a 6'6 guard from Kentucky, who former five-star recruit who did not play for the Kentucky Wildcats this year and has NBA teams pouring over his AAU draft tape to get a sense of what he might be like. Uh, Sharp worked out in a one-on-none workout in front of, uh, in front of executives at a at the NBA Combine, like at a, in a pro day type setting, like he is, his team is intentionally giving a, as little data as possible and it's going to work. Like it's, it, it might not work to where he's like a top five pick. Like he might slip past Detroit and, 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 uh, and Indiana at five and six. Would he slip past Portland? It's it, hard to know, but like, you know, you, you end up eight or nine, maybe it didn't work quote unquote for like the top, you know, top kid in his high school class as well as you might've guessed. But Limited data matters. Uh, like my thoughts on Sharp are that I just don't know. Like I've I've watched a little of his AAU highlights on YouTube. Um, I'm not like pouring over it a little bit. I've never seen a miss at this point because I've only seen makes on YouTube. Although YouTube scouting has gotten way better, where you can see uh, you know people do it professionally on there as as opposed to when I started this a decade ago when it was only highlights. Uh, but yeah, like I just don't know on him. I think he's got some he's physical tools and some athleticism that are really impressive, but uh, just the lack of like seeing him play in a, you know, against other, against higher level competitions, hard for me to truly know. But yeah, like from, I've read a bunch of draft stuff leading up to it. I think he'll be in right in the Blazers range. and could be an intriguing pick, um, but he's, he's certainly a mystery man. He's a mystery man that both CBS analysts, Kyle Boone and Gary Parish, have have uh, mocked to the Blazers at number seven. CBS.com has a variety of their writers pick, uh, do mocks, and and the most recent mocks released from Kyle Boone and Gary Parish both have the Blazers taken sharp at seven. Same type of reasoning. Um, I I think there's from the outside uh, there is an expectation that the Blazers are either going to take this pick or like this is a signal of the rebuild uh, so they'll like so the Blazers would be willing to take a um, take a sort of a, a longer term project I don't know if Sharp is a project but he might not be like an elite contributor from he might not be as plug and play as other players that are available at seven so I think the most of the mock logic suggests like well the Blazers are going to trade this pick but if they don't trade this pick here's like a high upside swing that they could take and I kind of I I, I really buy that logic like I really do buy that logic if you if you can't trade seven for um if you can't trade seven for a veteran or you can't trade seven back to get a to get a veteran and a later lottery pick or a later pick in the teens, yeah, like taking a, a swing at, at someone like Sharp makes real sense. It's also why at Yahoo where Raphael Johnson has the Blazers taking Dyson Daniels. I like that pick too. Like D Daniels has some positional versatility and some size and some playmaking skills. Uh, I think his shot is a big question. Uh, I think his sort of strength to play real, to re like really play up, his frame to really play up early in his career is maybe a question too. Like he's probably a, a, a very tall one or a two his rookie season and as he gets stronger can, can play three and four more effectively uh, going forward. Although... I think you can slide him in at three in a regular season game and probably get away with it no problem uh, from from what I've read. So like, yeah, I like I like the upside pick. Like I like taking a swing on upside at at seven with with these, you know, youngsters who, 
you know, a 19-year-old who we maybe have seen a little bit less of. Although Daniels is, like, I've seen him mocked as high as four. He's going to be up there. Um, Dyson Daniels and as John Jonathan Wasserman over at Bleacher Report has the Blazers taking Benedict Matherin at seven. I think Daniels and Matherin are the two guys I am personally debating between uh jeremy sohan was up there but i'm not really into it i know some folks are really high on johnny davis i don't think he's a great fit for the blazers although he might end up being a pretty good nba player um i i, I think it, for me it's matherin and daniels are the two i'm really debating against um i wouldn't take jalen Duren. like i wouldn't i wouldn't spend I, I wouldn't use seven on a center i think that's um, where I'm at if for the Blazers, not for like any team period, but for the Blazers specifically, I wouldn't use seven on a center. Um, I don't think that serves their needs or, or what they're like, what they're really hunting for. They've been hunting for good wings forever. Go ahead and try to get one in this draft for sure. Um, over at USA Today, Cody Taylor has the Blazers taking Jeremy Sohan. So you've got a couple sharps, a Ben Matherin, Dyson Daniels, Jeremy Sohan. These are names that we've talked about on the show and names that are going to be up in the Blazers, uh, draft range as they come in and work out for the Blazers we'll do a little mini profiles like we did on Matherin today who, who projects as a really athletic transition shooter but maybe has some half court concerns that make give him some pause that means that he could drop all the way into the you know double digit early double digit draft picks uh, but maybe end up as high as five in the draft I've seen him at five I've seen him at 14 uh, I think it's really flat in the Blazers range at seven there's a lot of names that could be right there and we will discuss those names as we head up into the draft we are a little over two weeks away now as uh, as this this episode comes out so it's been a draft-heavy show. It's going to continue to be a draft-heavy show. We'll talk about uh, any sale, any Blazers sale news that comes up. If you missed Friday's show, we talked all about Phil Knight's offer to buy the Blazers. Make sure you go back and listen to that one. Uh, a couple interviews coming later this week with some fun folks who cover the draft and uh, and kind of have have some good insight into what how the Blazers are going to approach it. So make sure you come back for those later this week. It's going to be a ton of fun. Show's available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. So tell your friends to search Lockdown Blazers wherever they're looking. They'll find us. And then you and them make the show your first listen every day because it's five days a week. Coming at you every single weekday. I appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.